Live from Universal Studios Hollywood in beautiful Los Angeles, California. ToadHopNetwork.com. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. Welcome to Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally interested people. My name is Sean Astin, and I will be your host until death do us part. We are broadcasting live on the Toad Hop Network from Universal Studios CityWalk in Los Angeles. With these words I now speak begins a new era in the nature and quality of public discourse in the world of radio punditry and political talk. As when one feels a subtle shift in the senses that portend the shaking of the ground, fellow hosts around the civic spectrum are now feeling a similar and disquieting tectonic movement beneath them. From the humble origins where we now stand at nearly 1,000 Twitter followers, it is prophesied that an audience of millions will emerge, and this moment was the beginning. Or I'll just call my agents and say, uh, <clears throat> I think I need to find the next acting, acting gig. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Sean, and I'm really, I'm going to apologize right off the bat 
because I'm so giddy that I'm smiling all the time and I smile when I'm interviewing people and it's serious sometimes, but I'm still smiling because I've been talking about these issues and, you know, working hard on them and debating them and sometimes being angry about them or having people be angry at me about them. And a lot of times, you know, if you're in the middle of, you know, Texas somewhere and there's a, a, a delegate seating and, you know, you're in the other guy's stronghold and, and you're advocating for your girl, uh, you, it just feels awfully lonely. And now, here I have a microphone in front of me, a title of a show, a song. Thank you to the Twitter follower who recommended that song, Vox Populi. Um, couldn't be more perfect. So, uh, so here we are. Uh, maybe I should say a little bit about how the show began. I was doing a what I called a, an inspirational Twitter campaign called Run Third, and it was a hashtag, R-U-N-3-R-D, and it was basically about people making uh, dedications to loved ones and to causes they believe in and ideas that they felt important uh, were important. So, and it really took off, and it was about uh, running. You know, I ran in the LA Marathon, and at a certain point, you know, and I wrote this kind of mission statement that people really liked. The LA Marathon folks grabbed it and did a whole piece on it, and then Runner's World put me on the cover. I mean, uh, you know, I've been running my whole life, but I didn't think I'd ever make the cover of Runner's World. And um, and so it, it became a little bit of a PR thing, and one of the things, I kept saying to my publicist, there's got to be like, you know, there are these, these, new, these new developing webcasts, you know, podcasts and web radio shows that have, you know, 800,000 followers, but nobody knows who they are yet. That, that's where we want to go to get this message out. And so my publicist, David Lust, brought me here to the Toad Hop Network to promote that inspirational concept. And when I saw... It took me about 14 seconds to see how cool this setup is and to see how ground floory it is. And, uh, and, and I, you know, somebody said, well, if you ever want to do anything, I said, I want to do a political show. It was you, Rich. I think Rich is the one who asked me, what do you want to do? I, I, I want to do a, a political show. I've always wanted to do a political show my whole life. Um, and, you know, specifically, actively, since I was, you know, probably in my late teens i talked about it with with agents about well can i get on can we do you know like before bill maher i wanted to do a show like that where you sit down and talk about the issues and 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 so forth and um <laughs> when i my wife gave me a kiss and said uh, good luck hon and, and i said well it's finally time right it's finally time and and she said uh <laughs> she said yeah i said how long have we been doing it she said i don't know a couple years I said, a couple we've been married 20 years come on I, it's at least as long as you've been around. I've been talking about doing a political show. And uh, so she sort of, I think, conceded to maybe seven or eight years. But um, everything about this show, about and it's it's rough today. Some of the uh, the, the actual production elements are, I mean, the crew here is great. Git is great. And, and Richie's pulling, uh, doing the phones in the background. People better start calling sooner. I'm going to get mad. Um, but my stuff, the the elements of the show that I'm bringing to it, it might there might be little hiccups as we go, so I apologize in advance for that. But everything from trying to figure out how to get a website from GoDaddy.com so I could set it up and spending two nights all night long trying to figure out some rudimentary web design. And so uh, VoxPopuliRadio.com is, uh, is there, uh, should you be interested in looking at it. Um, 
and and just everything. The other thing was I realized a lot of the interviews that I'm going to do early on, you know, I'm going to try and get people soon into the studio, but some of the political heavy hitters that I want to meet, they're in Washington, they're in their districts around the country, and or they're you know around the world, and and so I need to be able to interview them over the telephone. And I, uh, but it was hard to figure out that technology. And finally, I did. And my, as I was testing it the first time, uh, Christine, my wife, uh, was nice enough to let me call her from the computer and do a kind of, um, you know, faux interview. So I actually thought it turned out pretty well, and I got her permission. So I'm going to play that for you now. This is uh, me interviewing Christine to test the system. Is it coming? Hello there, Sean. Oh, here you go. No? Back it up. It's all the way up. All right, well, while we're trying to figure hello out the... Hello there, Sean. Oh. No. It's nice. My wife keeps saying hello to me. <laughs> hello there, Sean. Hello there, Sean. I'm like, guys, I gotta go. I don't care about this radio show anymore. My wife wants to talk. Um, all right. So while we try and figure that out, I'll go back over to uh, to what I was going to do after that, which is to talk about. I, I just want to say something to my viewers who don't know anything about the Toad Hop Network. Um, Toad Hop comes from Toad Hop, Indiana, where Frank Army, the founder of the show, um, who also is uh, the Frank of Frank and Heidi, the lead-in and and uh, flagship show of uh, his network. Um, so, you know, you can get your podcast uh, from iTunes, but uh, but Frank has put this network together. And this studio is used by, I think, 35 so far other uh, radio shows. It's kind of a plug-and-play thing. You come in, you uh, you do your show, and then you leave real quickly, and there's a transition moment, and then, then they do their show. So um, so I'm grateful. A lot of the show is uh, – a lot of the network has stuff on there with, with real uh, intense language and, and other, you know, concepts that are uh, – not fit for uh, you know family listening and viewing, um, but fun and the audience is uh, you know clearly loves it. My my approach with this show is going to be to try and keep it a little a little bit more um, down the middle of the road because I want to get really um, you know people whose reputation with their with their constituents are on the line. I want them and I want to be able to ask tough questions and and I don't want them you know hesitating to come on the show because I'm using too much uh, effing language. Uh, okay. So I've talked about that. Christine's interview, that's, you still working on it? How's it going? Okay. It's kind of cute, but it's not uh, necessary. Okay. Um, all right. So everyone knows uh, that, you know, the nature of political discussion in this country has reached a, a, a kind of an all-time grotesqueness. Um, people talk without listening, and they or scream without listening. They uh, have entrenched viewpoints, whether they're morality-based or ideologically-based, even some of the more superficial things that people are arguing about that don't necessarily affect their own life. They, they adopt many times a posture of, uh, of anger and, and um, you know, kind of uh, intransigence. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to model on this show um, a better uh, example of that kind of of that kind of talk. So, you know, you can say, you know, I think Obama's the worst president we've ever had. He's, he's run this country into the ground, I, you know, and, and whatever, but we're not going to say hate. Don't say hate to me about, about something, okay? That let's, you, you, maybe you do, but we're gonna, I'm going to institute a, an anger meter on Vox Populi. 
that uh, on a scale of one to ten, ten being um, absolutely cannot communicate with you, and uh, and and zero being it's not so much worth the conversation until he puts the bong down. Um, so I. <laughs> I, you know, it, we're, we're not looking for nines and tens on the anger scale. We're looking for sevens, you know. Sevens is helpful. Seven, you can really work with somebody who's, who's passionate, who has their point of view, but who, you know, if you make a good point, they'll, they'll stop for a second and they'll, they'll hear you. So the tone of the conversations that we're going to have, um, I want to be fast. I want it to be fun. I want it to be engaging. I want it to be serious. I don't mind if it's controversial. I just want it to be uh, respectful and I want it to be dignified. So I uh, am, imp- uh, am, am uh, claiming my right as the host of a radio show to, uh, to, to moderate that. Um, okay, so... Um, yeah, I mean, and what that what that means is, you know, in a practical sense, because we're not all going to like be different in one second. In fact, you know, I think determining political success can't um, hinge on whether or not everything is different or better or changed completely at the end of your energy level working with it. So, you know, you put your heart and soul into something, a movement, a march, a, a law, a piece of legislation you want passed, an election, whatever it is, uh, you know, you put your heart and soul and your life into it. And if at the end of when you're spent, if you don't have the outcome that you want or that you desire, you think is right, uh, it's wrong, in my estimation, to consider that a failure. So I think we need to uh, set goals, achieve goals, uh you know, exceed our own expectations, but also realize that even if you're talking to, you know, someone on a bus or on a street corner, as I do often, um, that conversation in and of itself has meaning and has value. And so, and that, you don't know. You don't know. If you put across your viewpoint to that person, you have no idea whether or not, uh, you know, two days from then that person is going to accidentally be swept up into the motorcade and be talking to the president when the president says, hey, what do you think? That guy says, well, actually, and he, he, you know, echoes your point. And the president factors that into his or her thinking. So my point is just that there, we have to um, accept incremental um, progress as uh, valid. So, uh, and, and in doing that, um, I think we need to acknowledge that we have our own ingrained thoughts. It's a lot easier if we know morally where we stand. I know I'm absolutely morally opposed to this thing. And, uh, you know, so it's no, no, no amount of conversation is going to change that. You, you know what you believe and that's that, you know, and I mean, maybe you could, you can, uh, develop a different opinion or, or hear something, but, but that's, uh, not as, not as likely. So, but what I'm, what I'm talking about are ingrained um, patterns of thought, ingrained biases in ourselves and in others, and learning. You know, on the show, we're gonna we're gonna you know force ourselves to listen to others and uh, and you know be better for it. And I think people listening to the show will end up liking it. So, uh, features of the show: we're gonna have guests, we're gonna have callers. I hope we're gonna have callers. You better call, call in now and say stop talking and play music. Um, we're going to show clips of shows. I have today a couple of clips, one from Fox and Friends uh, and another one from Rachel Maddow. And, uh, you know, on most radio shows, you you know, or television shows, you only have a, a little bit. So they'll, they'll show, you know, 15 seconds or 30 seconds or, you know, 45 seconds at the most. And then you just feel like, you know, you're languishing in TV land, well, you know, waiting for that to end. But we have two hours 
uh, together to really dig in a little bit. So I'm going to play, you know, four minutes of the clip, and maybe you know, while it's on, I'll be, I'll chime in and whatnot. But then we're going, then afterwards, I'm going to, you know, unpack it. I'm going to say what I think is going on for real in there, and, and talk about how I think that affects our ability to communicate and to think. Uh, and then I'm really hoping that uh, you all will call in and tell me. Um, why I'm wrong and, and or where I'm right or where, you know, some totally different viewpoint. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, we're going to we're going to analyze stories in newspapers. Uh, you know, hopefully eventually I can do it where we can ping you with it or we can put it up so you can actually be reading it while we're talking about it. That kind of makes things good. Um, having it available simultaneously. But there's an article today that one of the tw- one of my Twitter followers sent that had to do with the uh, the, the resignation of the uh, openly gay um, advisor in the Romney campaign, and I, I read it, and it was really, really good and striking. And I thought it would be um, appropriate for for this show, so I have that if we get to it, um, and that that kind of thing. The other thing, one thing, it's not going to happen today, but that I'm looking for uh, is is micro debates. We're going to put together little micro debates. We're going to practice debate school. You know, I'm going to find you whether you call in or whether you send me an email at uh, Sean Aston. Uh, Vox Populi at gmail dot com, uh, and you and you you know talk about well this is Israel I want to or or whatever it is the you know immigration I I want to debate immigration and and then I'll find you know a pro uh, you know a, a good liberal voice and a good conservative voice and I'll I'll moderate and we'll have a debate and then we can talk about who uh, I'll pick a, a winner um, and that so I'm really looking forward to that uh, all right so are, do we have any of this going yet? You know what? I can actually just play it. I just realized I can play it out through my computer. So the first thing I'm going to play is the um, – just looking here. Bear with me. Sorry, everybody. Um, messages. There it is. Phone interviews. Oh, here's the one from Christine uh, that I was talking about before. And we may have to go to break right out of it, but uh, enjoy this. interviewed on the radio show. So your husband is doing a political radio show, which is likely to put him at odds with at least half of the people you know. How, how do you feel about him doing that? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'll have to uh, make my decision on that in about three to four weeks when I see how it goes. Well, you know, if you're climbing up a hill and you got to go left or you got to go right, you got to make a decision there. You can't say, you know, I'll, I'll let you know which way to go on the hill, you know, three weeks later. So, you know, if you had to had to weigh in right now about the you know your reputation and the family and what's going to happen with uh, with a guy who's willing to stick his neck on the line doing political stuff. What what would you say? I think I'd have to get to the top of the hill and look at the view. Wow, I think you're the one running for politics. Mm. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So, um, do you think you'll be impersonating uh, callers like uh, uh, independent callers and, and, and giving me a hard time? Like I don't know, it's you. If I don't like your point of view, is that possible? It is possible. Has it happened yet? We have agreed to disagree on many things. Oh, and yet we're still married. It is true. This is an example for all of civic discourse. Indeed. But we have pretty much the same ideological viewpoint on the world, don't we? Says you. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Work with it. It's a radio show. None of these one-word answers. I mean, if I can't get my own wife to do a good interview, how am I going to get anybody else to do a good interview? Oh, you'll be able to do it. How? What do you think I should? What? 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 How? How do you? Why do you say that? Because um, you wanted to be a success. 
Oh. All right. Who do you think is going to win the presidential election? Obama. How come? Hold on. Because he wants to do good for our country. Oh. Well, the other guy doesn't? He hasn't convinced me of that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, um, are you going to give him a chance to? I have. My ears have been open for the last year listening to the stuff that comes out of his mouth. <laughs> um, honey, we're going to try and invite um, conservatives into the show to, to, to inhabit a space that's welcoming and comfortable and, and open. And that sounded decidedly not so open. Well, I gave him a year. <laughs> All right, looks like we're out of time. Um, Christine uh, Aston, um, whose husband is Sean, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to be interviewed on the radio show in our, uh, our, our first, uh, our premiere episode. Do you have anything you want to say to the viewers before you go? I'm sure you'll give them a good lesson. Did you say lesson, L-E-S-S-O-N, or listen, L-I-S-T-E-N? I'll let you choose. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. Thank you very much, Christine. I'm going to disconnect now, and, and I'll be home in a little bit to apologize for everything. Love you. Love you, too. Bye. All right. We're going to go to commercial. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. Well, if you're looking to spice things up in the bedroom, and really, who's not? You have to go to adamandeve.com and type in HF Show. What's that get you? Well, that gets you in the mood for some romance. It also gets you 50% off almost any item, a free gift, three free DVDs, and free shipping. How great is that? All you have to do, type in the code HF Show at adamandeve.com. Hey, Heidi and Frank here from HeidiandFrank.com. Hooters is open late every single night. Late night happy hour starts at 10 p.m. And the kitchen doesn't close until midnight. And keep in mind, it's Hooters swimsuit pageant time. All contests start at 10 p.m. With all beers, is $2 and $4. And May 12th is the West Coast Regional Swimsuit Pageant at Icon LA Ultra Lounge. And we're going to be there. We're going to be judging. Mm-hmm. It was so hard last year. What? Judging. Oh, right, right, right. So check out WestCoastHooters.com for contest dates and details. Well, I rode out on that ribbon highway I saw above me the endless sky I saw below me the golden valley This land was made for you and me Well, I roamed and I rambled i
Listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. It's me. All right, we're live again on the uh, Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally interested people. I'm Sean Astin. Welcome back. Thank you so much. I think on these shows, you don't actually have to say your name and stuff or the name of the show because the only way people are hearing it or listening is if they went to it and chose to do it. But it's, you know, if you're going to be a, a radio host, you kind of want the, the, you know, hi everybody and welcome back. Um, love, love, love. This land is your land by the counting crows right there. Mr. President, um, seems like you don't care. It's really fun. Um, and it leads right into a little clip that I want to play. I had asked people via Twitter and on the website to call into a voicemail, uh, call and leave a voicemail message for me and for the show at uh, 626 Vox Talk, and I would encourage you guys to do that. Uh, and there's one that someone left that I want to uh, that I want to play um, coming out of that song. So here it is. I think we've got our technology working. Hey Sean, good luck with the show. I used to be very much involved with politics, very interested in politics, and life has sort of beaten me out of it. So I'm hoping that by listening to your show, I'll learn how to enjoy politics again, and I'll learn to care. Thank you. Have a good luck. Have a good luck with the show. Bye. Well, I think that that... Hey, Sean, good luck with the show. Oh, how, how many times are we going to listen? Um, <laughs> can only take so much disillusionment. Um... I think that that sentiment is shared by uh, many people. I hear I hear two things. Um, yeah, let me let me make sure that I actually have the number to give out. I'm just getting a prompt here to where is it? Right there on the bottom of the screen. 
I'm looking. I'm looking. Oh. <laughs> this was the subtle, <laughs> that was the subtle thing I was missing. Okay, I'm gonna just get up to speed here. Uh, everyone, eight 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 five two zero four three seven four. Give a call. We're gonna go to um, calls in a minute. Uh, we may take one or two before we play the uh, our first interview. But um, yeah, what was I talking about? I think what I was trying to say was that there are two basic strains of comment that I get, you know, before doing the radio show and now that I'm doing this radio show and I talk to people. One is just like this uh, woman who called and thank you very much for your call and thank you very much for your support and your honesty and uh, sharing your uh, frustration or your, you know, your defeated tone for a moment. Uh, and I would encourage you to um, to follow your instinct, which is to click into a show where maybe um, that could be re uh, that could be stamped out or tamped down, and your uh, your what is clearly innate enthusiasm could be kindled. But so that kind of disillusionment is is one reason that people don't seem to get into politics, and another one or or government or you know civic life in a in a an acute way. Uh, another one is people feel intimidated, uh, and frankly. Any of the people who are dealing with the issues on a big level who aren't intimidated are just too cocky for their own good. Because when you start talking about healthcare, forget it. It's really, really, really complicated. You know, and I sat down to read that healthcare bill, all four trillion pages of it. Wow, that was rough going. I earned my, my voting rights stripe just getting my 150 pages into that bad boy. Um, and so people, they don't, they can't be bothered. It's too much. It's too hard. And as soon as they open their mouth, people start giving them all this static because even though people say they're not political, man, just bring up one buzzword and the apolitical turns into the voracious, uh, uh, di you know, um, didactic person. So anyhow, I think that I'm trying to decide what I think we've done enough of the, the fun opening stuff. I think it's time to dig into my first, uh, first interview um, and we we talked this morning uh, on the phone with my new technology and recorded this. Um, I got up at 7 a.m. my time, and, and uh, Congressman Steve Israel was uh, was in New York and could carve out that uh, that little window for me. And um, we, you know, it's the second district that he represents. Um, I'm looking at his bio uh, here. He um, uh, he 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 sat on so many commit. You know what? Let me just play. Um, let me just play the interview, and we can talk about Steve uh, and, and his thoughts and his approach uh, afterwards. Um, so I'll go ahead and click in here. Um, ladies and gentlemen, the first um, interview subject on Vox Populi is um, the congressman from the great state of New York in the 2nd District, Steve Israel. Congressman Israel, hello. Hey, Sean, how are you, sir? Uh, most, most excellent. You are, as Good. you know, our very first guest on Vox Populi, and I'm, uh, I'm just thrilled and grateful, and thank you so much for taking a moment out of your, uh, your what I'm sure is incredibly busy day to, to do it. It's, uh, it's friendship, and I, I really appreciate it. Well, it is friendship, and in a way, uh, I'm repaying you because um, several years ago, 
uh, you were kind enough to come to Long Island uh, and spend a day with me. And one of the most meaningful elements of that day was when we invited a group of veterans uh, to come to see a screening of Lord of the Rings, and uh, you were kind enough to talk to them about that. And to this day, uh, many of those veterans uh, tell me that it was so meaningful to them that you were willing to spend that time with them. It was a great day, and we went to the school, and we did uh, we did some good stuff. And I was, mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved rolling with the congressman, man. It was fun. <laughs> All right, these days, rolling with the congressman means just uh, getting in gridlock. These days, well, th- this was my this was my first, uh, my you know, cutting right to the chase. My first official formal question of an interviewee of, uh, on the, the history of the show is this, you know, you've been in Congress a little while, you've, you've accomplished so much, do you, do you still like it? Is it still, still fun? You know, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, most of the times uh, I love it, continue to love it. I've been in Congress for 10 years, but I will say that I've never before seen an environment uh, that is as polarized as, uh, as it is now. In 2010, uh, we elected uh, a, a Republican majority uh, comprised mostly of, of Tea Party. I also should say that uh, Congressman Israel is the chairman of the DCCC, the Democratic uh, uh, Congressional Campaign Committee, so who, leader in the Democratic Party. On a three-month schedule. And so there's the gridlock, the paralysis, the unwillingness to compromise, as if compromise is a dirty word. Uh, that uh, has made that me enjoy Congress a little less than I, I did before they came to Washington. Wow. Wow. What a bummer. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not, I mean, Congress's, um, you know, approval ratings are kind of lower than they've ever been in history, right? And, and so we know that, but to, but to hear it's, you know, so starkly put that, that it's an intractable group of, uh, people from your perspective that, that are stopping it. Because one of the things we're focusing on in this show is, is even just among the citizenry, you know, the tone of the conversation is just so rough and it's, it's hard to be constructive and not just with decision making, but just, you know, talking about anything. And, and, uh, I'm just wondering, you know, from your perspective, is there, is there any possible way that it'll improve? And if so, how? Not unless uh, changes are made this November in the Congress. You know, one of my responsibilities is the chairman of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, and uh, one of my political jobs uh, is to figure out how we can how Democrats can win the majority. Uh, for as long as you have people in Congress uh, who are willing to shut down the federal government over a woman's right to go to Planned Parenthood, uh, who don't believe that the federal government has a role uh, to play uh, in even in building roads, I mean, they have. Uh, they have paralyzed the transportation bill that has always been bipartisan, that funds our highways and bridges. They have paralyzed it uh, for a year now because these guys believe that, you know, when you build a road, it can only be paved to the far, far right. So for as long as you have that, that ideology that's injected into every single debate uh, and the sense that we shouldn't be constructive but destructive, uh, I don't uh, have much hope that there's going to be forward progress. I do believe that after November, whether the Democrats win the majority or not, there will be enough uh, more moderate members, more reasonable and rational members uh, coming to Congress uh, that uh, there will be some progress and uh, they will fulfill what their constituents want them to, to be doing. And that is not thinking about left or right, but thinking about forward and solving problems. And I think we're going to get back on track after November. Even if it's Republicans, you think more moderates will, will get in there and that'll, that'll restore your, your joy in the process because it'll at least be, uh, you know, uh, you know, constructive. 
Yeah, yeah. Even, even if the Democrats don't take the majority, I think a lot of these Tea Party extremists uh, are going to be replaced by more moderate members. You know, remember, this never happened before. The closing down the government, the ideological debates, the, you know, being willing to, to shut down the office of the uh, Department of Veterans Affairs over the, the issue of Planned Parenthood, this constant harping on, on things like uh, uh, contraception. This didn't happen before. This is a phenomenon that occurred in, in 2010 when you had 87 uh, Tea Party members uh, take seats in the United States Congress. I, I think they've overshot the runway. I think the people that they represent don't want ideology injected into every single decision. Uh, they, they want uh, this country to move forward, and uh, I think those uh, ex more extreme members are, will be replaced by more moderate members on both sides of the aisle. Wow. Um, all right. So two more two more questions for you because I know you're you're working. Um, you're in D.C. right? You're you're at the Capitol right now. No, actually, I'm in New York. Uh, we're on a congressional recess this week, and uh, you know, I think that's one of the greatest public services that we can perform these days is to be out of Washington. I'm visiting my uh, my constituents all this week. Oh yeah, that, wow. Okay, so so then uh, so then two two more uh, three more questions. The, the, the one that I was really gonna gonna talk to you about was. Um, you know, co constituent relations, you know, you, you, uh, you spend the, the responsibility of a, of a representative is to spend time meeting with their constituents. And I just wonder, you know, obviously it's your job to hear their, their needs and to do your best to, you know, facilitate, you know, fixing the ones that you can and directing them to places where they can get the help they need. I'm just wondering, and I, I don't know if it's like a, a risky thing for a politician to say, but what can constituents do? to make better use of the time of their their representatives what can they know more before they come in what can, what what's a reasonable thing to expect of them so that they they help the government more run more smoothly from from their you know with with the uh, ability they have to influence what you're doing it's a great question. You know, the principal function, I think, of a member of Congress uh, is to be a problem solver, uh, is to be an advocate for the people that we represent. I love it, and I hear this almost every day. I love it when somebody comes up to me and says, you know, Congressman, I may not agree with your vote on a certain thing, but you helped me solve a problem with Medicare. You helped me get a, a medal that I deserved from Vietnam that I never got. You, you helped me with a retroactive payment that I never got as a veteran. And, and so uh, I think that the most, one of the most important functions that members of Congress have is serving their constituents as customers uh, and, and being problem solvers. Uh, and one of the things that uh, I think um, that, that I would advise people is don't be afraid, don't be hesitant. If you're fighting a bureaucracy, uh, let your congressman fight the bureaucracy for you. That's what we get paid for. So go to your member of Congress, uh, give them a sense of, of what the problem may be, uh, and let them fight for you and be demanding. Uh, my colleagues in Congress too often refer to the people we represent as constituents. They're not. They're customers. And they get to fire and hire us every two years. And so I hope people will keep that in mind, that uh, your member of Congress works for you. You don't work for them. And so be demanding when, when, when you uh, go to them. And secondly, if you have an ideological issue, I mean, you know, a, a policy uh, conversation that, that you want to have with a member of Congress. Look, we live in America. We can disagree, but we need to disagree more agreeably. So, so screaming and shouting uh, never works. We just need to treat each other with greater civility. Uh, and I hope that uh, we'll be able to do more of that. Mm, wow. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, that's, it's interesting. Get, you know, you don't have to fight city hall by yourself. Go, you know, get the yeah. people you paid to do it, to do it on your behalf. Um, I still, exactly. I still wonder if they, if, if they should refine what it is they're asking, you know, to, to make sure it's something that y y you, you know, in your role, 
you know, are, are actually able to help with. And so, I mean, you obviously can direct them to the right place or whatever, but I, I just sort mm-hmm. of get, yeah. So, all right. So two last questions. One is, I mean, you're, you are on three of the most, uh, impactful, influential, uh, committee assignments and most sought after, uh, committee assignments in, in the Congress, the, uh, committee on appropriations and armed services committee and committee on financial services. You're also on the science committee, which is arguably the most important, but, but those, those, those first three are the, uh, are the big whales. And, and I'm just wondering, um, I mean, so the, I could ask you eight million questions, but there's a lot of, there, your last name is Israel and you represent a, a large Jewish constituency in, in uh, the second district. And, and I know that it's, uh, it's a hot button issue. I'm just wondering if you can share some thoughts about the state of the, you know, our government's relationship with Israel and where, where you think, um, you know, things might be headed. Sure. sure. Well, you know, I, uh, I, I did serve on those committees. I no longer do because I'm now in the House leadership as the chairman of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. And so I, uh, I, I no longer serve on those committees, but I still have, uh, as a leader in, in Congress, uh, still have uh, a, a passion uh, for foreign policy and national security and veterans affairs. Uh, I think if you take a look at the Middle East, to answer your question concisely, uh, it, it is a very dangerous region of the world. You have uh, a country, Iran, uh, that uh, has threatened to use nuclear weapons, uh, that has military parades with banners on jihad missiles that say uh, death to the Israelis, that denies that the Holocaust ever happened, uh, and that we need to continue to uh, apply the toughest most coherent and clear sanctions, in my view, uh, against the Iranian people. Not take any tool out of the toolbox, but hope that the 70% of the Iranian population that is moderate uh, and uh, and modern uh, will uh, ask their leaders, who have been irresponsible, to be more responsible without taking any other tools out of the toolbox. That is not only uh, a, a, a Making sure that Iran doesn't have nuclear weapons is not simply an, an issue, an imperative for uh, the state of Israel. It's an imperative for the stability and security and peace of the entire world. It not only threatens Israel, it threatens most of the Middle East, and it threatens us as well. So I hope we can continue to use the, all the tools in our toolbox, including diplomacy, uh, including economic sanctions, uh, including uh, cooperation with the rest of the world, uh, to compel better behavior uh, by uh, Iran uh, and an end to the nuclear program. And, and the United States sort of working relationship on a practical level with, uh, with the Israelis is, is very strong to reflect that? or, or it's, uh... The intelligence and the, and the military relationship between the United States and Israel actually has, uh, has never been stronger, deeper, and better. Uh, and those aren't my words. Those are words of uh, Israeli government officials. And we need to continue that alliance because Israel is the only true democracy in the Middle East. We share those values. Uh, and uh, so we should continue that relationship. All right. Okay. So last question. Um, thank you for that. The, the last question I have, uh, and I'm sorry about, uh, the word served uh, as opposed to serve on, um, what your day must be like in the congressional no, no campaign committee meetings as opposed to those, uh, those, uh, <laughs> house committee meetings. But, but, um, all right. So the last thing I would love for you to do is, and I mean, you've sort of been unabashed about, you know, framing everything from a, uh, you know, a purely de- democratic perspective. And I can't stand the way they call it Democrat perspective. It's like they're, why do they get to truncate our name, but um, but anyhow, <laughs> I, you're not going to call them the Republic Party, but um, but anyhow, uh, I'm trying to be even uh, with the show, so so let me do sure. that. But I would love for you, and I'll and I'll I'll find a conservative to uh, to come and and share their perspective. But it, I would love for you to make a purely partisan 
uh, you know, uh, viewpoint or pitch to, uh, you know, in, in this campaign season, something that's, uh, you know, kind of a hard charging thing that you would say. Obviously, you're a constructive guy with, with integrity and, and thoughtfulness and everything you said was about being constructive and working together. But, but, uh, within that, within that, is there some way to do that and be, you know, sort of make your, your, your partisan, uh, you know, appeal? Sure. Well, look, I am the chairman of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. My job is to, to help win back the majority and to defeat Republicans. There's also a time when you have to just drop the partisan gloves and govern. The problem with the Republicans is that they refuse to govern. All they want to do is put the gloves on, the partisan gloves, uh, and, uh, and fight uh, and stall and obstruct. You know, we, I may not agree on everything that President Obama has done, but I'll tell you what. These Republicans have as job number one to take his job away. Not to create jobs for the middle class uh, and working family, but to take his job away. But positively. And they everything they could to stop that. But positively, from, from what, we, what we want to do or what Democrats want to do, mm-hmm. instead, of, instead of focusing primarily, I mean, it's clear that both sides want to defeat each right. other. And, and, uh, but what, you know, what positive um, agenda or message, you know, generally speaking, is, sure. are we going out with? Sure. You can contrast what they've done with uh, our set of values. We believe in the American dream. We want to reignite the American dream. We want to rebuild the middle class, which has been eroding uh, under Republican policies. Uh, we want to build ladders of opportunity uh, for people who are willing to work hard and play by the rules. The difference between Republicans and Democrats is we... Work hard and play by the rules, and not just knock away the ladder so that you're, you know, with a just a few uh, on the top. And so we want to make investments in education. We want to protect women's rights to choose. We want to make investments in science uh, and, and technology so that America's children can grow up and compete in the world. Uh, and so, if you want to rebuild the middle class uh, and you want to move forward uh, and you want to end this partisanship. Uh, we believe that we're a democratic majority uh, is, uh, is a much better deal in pursuing those goals than what we've had over the past uh, year and a half. Uh, all right, excellent. So I look forward to um, watching, you know, Democrats. I'm going to cut it off there. We uh, we had some uh, lovely kind of parting words, but I want to. Um, there's some folks who've been waiting on the phone lines for a little bit, and I want to honor the fact that they've been patient and. Uh, and have called through. So, you know, wow, uh, Steve is, uh, Congressman Israel is really, you know, really wants to do the right thing. And and you you can hear how hard it is. You can hear how hard it is to try and uh, find the language that straddles the line between being civil and, you know, getting getting your way. So we will, uh, you know, getting your way is good sometimes. You just, you know, in our system of government, you'd like to make sure that both people are heard. I have one person over here who writes, uh, a Twitter person who, who writes uh, that all of the, uh, it's, it's Jeannie Marie who writes, the loudest voices are getting all the attention despite the fact that they're in the minority. Sad for the rest of us. And it took me a few minutes, not a few seconds, thinking about it, realizing probably both sides feel the same way. And what I was picturing was a classroom full of people where the big loud voices are talking and the smart guy or the girl in the back who's sort of a little bit, you know, less of an extrovert doesn't get her voice heard even though it's it's so you know it's important to make sure that we really go out of our way to include people and to that end i'm going to go to amy uh who is in indiana where my wife is from and i've spent a great deal of time um and who uh, amy are you there hello oh i got to do this don't i do i just push the button ready here we go 
Amy, can you hear me? Yeah. Hi. Hi. You're our first caller on Vox Populi. Thanks very much. Wow, cool. Thank you. <laughs> You're in Indiana. Where in Indiana? Um, I'm in the West Central Park. Ah, okay. My my wife's up from the the northern area, and I've been in Indianapolis. So West Central. I don't know. You may have. That's not even towards Kentucky, so I don't know what to do with West Central. But listen, okay, did you hear the interview with uh, Congressman Israel? Uh, yeah, I did. Parts of it cut off on my phone, so I couldn't hear it all, but I heard a lot of it. I really liked it. You did. You liked what he was saying. And, and I see on my little blinker here that you, you had a Romney question coming in, so feel free to um, to make a comment about the Steve interview or ask a question or uh, or make your own thought. What, what do you got? I, I was just wondering who you thought um, Romney should choose as his running mate. Wow. Um, you know, well, I probably a lot of the people who are uh, listening to the show, all, all four of them, um, watch the same news shows and, you know, you, you, the Chris Christie's and the, you know, you, you hear the, the list. And I don't know. I really don't know. And, and I, you know, I suppose when he has to make a decision by the convention, right? So, and I, my guess is he'll wait till right up there. She's, he wants to, uh, enjoy i would guess the you know the kind of center stage on his own and and you know when that you know the luster of being the candidate without any help it, it kind of starts to wear off then he'll pick somebody that's my that's my guess i have no idea who uh who do you think well i was thinking you should pick someone more on the conservative side since he can reach the liberal or you know the indep independence better i'm sorry that's all right started up there do you think and, that do you think that the vice that the uh, the vice president selection that they do you think they focus more on the region you know I mean he's uh, he you know find somebody from uh, I don't know from the west coast or somebody in the south or that totally uh, kind of would shore up a, a different the ticket would have more appeal to a broader group or, or do you think it's yeah. strictly issues based or what do you think? Um, someone that can reach. Conservative, yeah. like you know, I I don't know, I can't get it out of my mouth right now. I'm kind of nervous there. That's all right. Don't be nervous. All right. So you're basically saying that you think that Romney isn't as conservative. Isn't it doesn't have as strong an appeal to the conservative, uh, sort of farther conservative right of the of the party, and he he needs to shore that up with a with a, with a pick like that. So exactly. I think you're, you're not in the minority in that in that opinion. I don't think about what's what's happening. So we'll all just keep our eyes peeled. Uh, okay. Amy, thank you so much for calling in. All thank right. You. There you go. My first guest. Boom. Let it go. I feel all funky. Uh, who, okay, let's just go. Martin, we've got... Uh, hold on here. Martin, are you there? Yep. All right, you've been waiting a long time. we got 60 seconds. Go. All right. Hey, um, I just had a thought on, these, uh, on the interview you just played, and mostly it's about the civility, you know. I'm a moderate, um, probably much like you, and... Um, you know, we always seem to apologize for what we what we say. You know, it's like on the extreme right, you know, they just throw up buzzwords. So if I say something, the retort is not debating what I'm saying, but, oh, you must be a socialist, or oh, you must be this. So, um, and, you know, the, the lady just called in before says, you know, it's always the loudest voice that gets the um, attention. And it's not just that, but it's the most controversial. You know, mm -hmm. and I think uh, Democrats have a tendency to... You know, like even on your show, you know, you're going to bring out the other side as well. And and I applaud that because that's really what we need. But you don't see Rush Limbaugh have, you know, a liberal on his show or, you know, to to show the other side. And I think we always um, bend over backwards to 
you know, keep it civil, keep it um, issue-based. Well, Martin, but, um, I mean, I, you know, my, I got a lot of liberal friends out here in Hollywood, and uh, they're, they're, they're not wallflowers. They, they, are, uh, they scream just as loud and just as virulently, and they're just as angry. Listen, they're, uh, they're waving me off that it's time to go for a break. I think you made a great point. I think it applies to both sides, and uh, hopefully on this show we'll be able to, you know, explore a different way of, uh, of getting at it, and, and I'm looking forward to digging into details. So, Martin, thanks for the call, and uh, we'll Thank see you, you on the other side off. of the break, peeps. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. If you haven't been listening to App Addicts... I think the biggest thing there is there, there needs to be a shift in thinking, right? Yeah. You know, I don't know if you guys have heard me talk about it. You have, and it's, it's, it's a shift versus pull and push versus pull marketing. Yeah. Right? You know, as, 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 a, as a consumer of content, yeah. you know, I want there to be value. If there's enough value, right. I'll pay in some kind of way for it. Right. But so many of these people are trying to wring as much money out of these people with as little value as possible. That's, that's an antiquated model. Right. right? They need to w- focus on providing value. Hey, well, we're going to give you a ton of value, a ton of content, whatever that it looks like, right? Right. Once you're able to establish that, then people will want to give them money. App Addicts, Fridays at 4 Pacific, only on the Toad Hop Network. Radio worth watching. Hey, it's Heidi and Frank for scorebig.com. There's been two ways to get tickets up until now. You can go to the venue or team site and buy your tickets directly. Or you could go to the big ticket sellers, the scalpers, if the tickets for the really big events are sold out. And you can pay way, way over face value. Who wants to do that? Who would do that? Nobody! That's stupid. And you don't have to do that anymore, thanks to scorebig.com, a great website where you always pay less than retail, and you never, ever, ever pay any ticketing fees at scorebig.com, and you can save up to 60% on tickets. Every ticket on the Scorebig website is below retail price. Guaranteed. Great events. Lakers, Clippers, Kings, USC, UCLA, Basketball, Disney Hall, Geffen Theater. Mention specific teams in a list. Well, you did. <laughs> and, uh... I think that's uh, perfect the way you do that. Those were teams in Southern California, but scorebig.com is everywhere. Everywhere. I just had a, I got a Global. Tweet, I got a tweet from a guy saying he's got his Giants tickets and he saved 30%. Awesome. Thanks, scorebig.com. And that's what we're talking about. Uh, not just nosebleed seats, everything from the floor to the rafters. And again, no service or shipping fees ever. Your offer at scorebig.com is what you pay. Always less than retail, never any fees, scorebig.com. Then type in Heidi and Frank to get uh, the, the passcode. Skip the line. Yeah. Start shopping right away. V- get your tickets today. VIP treatment. Don't here. wait. <laughs> type in Heidi and Frank. Do it right now. What are you still sitting here for? S-C-O-R-E-B-I-G.com. Proof why I was never a cheerleader. I can't spell. There's more proof than that. One, two, three. Live in a political world, love don't have any place. We're living in times where men commit crimes and crime don't have a face. We live in a political world, icicles hanging down. Wedding bells ring and angels sing and clouds cover up the ground. We live in a political world where mercy walks the plank. Life is in his death disappears upstairs to the nearest bank. We live in a political world. Courage is a thing of the past. The house all haunted, children on one, and the next day can be your last. Live in a political world. 
one you can see and feel. But there's no one to check, it's all a stack deck, we all know for sure that's real. We live in a political world, cities are lonesome fear. Little by little you turn in the middle, but you never show sure why you're here. Political world under the microscope. You can travel anywhere and hang yourself there. You always got more than enough rope. Living up a little world, turning and thrashing about. Soon as you're awake, you're trained to take what looks like the easy way out. Studios Hollywood in beautiful Los Angeles, California. ToadHopNetwork.com. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. Oh, okay. Here we go. Back on. Hi, everybody. Um, so, so that was good. A couple little uh, kind of getting the feel of interviewing people. I've certainly been interviewed a lot in my lifetime, and it is really fun to be on the other side of it. I like listening to the people, and um, you know, it's it's. Watching people's thoughts develop as they're speaking is uh, kind of reassures me that I'm not alone in the world. I also think it's good, you know, if you're holding for a long time to try and crystallize what you're saying, so that you can you can say it crisply when we when I pick up the phone or when I when I when I dial you in, and then and then we can really talk. Then we can really explore what the what the uh, yeah what's behind what you're thinking or, or what can flow from it. All right, so I'm going to go right now. Um, I see that there, there are some calls blinking. Let me go ahead and take a couple of those real quick before we go into the Frank Luntz uh, conservative perspective. Um, I say the word perspective and constructive too much. I'm going to work on not saying those as much. All right, let me see who we got here. Um, uh, from Rockwell, Texas, Kim has a comment about uh, Congressman Israel. So let me see if my short arms can reach over there. Uh, and that's the last one over there? I got Kim. Yes, I'm here. Uh, hello, Kim. You're in Texas. Yes, I am in Rockwall, Texas, and I'm from Reno, Nevada, originally. Well, any farther, you can keep going east, or you're going to stop. No, I'm hoping to get to New York someday. Wow, from Texas, it's pretty far. <laughs> <All right. laughs> what was your thought about? I'm just kidding. My brother lives in Houston. I, I love Texas. I actually really do love Texas. It's just fun to tease. Okay, so tell me. Um, Tell me what your thought was about the Congressman Israel interview. It was interesting. He seemed to, to go around in circles on a couple of things, which is political, and now you can understand that. But his last few statements, when he said that Congress needs to stop being so partisan, but then he said the democratic way is the better way. That just didn't make well, sense. Remember what I asked him. Because he had been very objective through the whole interview, and then I, and I basically said, "Okay, show me what, <laughs> show me what being really partisan." Because he said his job is to defeat 
uh, to elect Democrats and defeat Republicans. And the, and the Republicans have the same the same mission to you know elect Republicans and defeat Democrats. So I wanted to hear what it sounded like when he when he was saying he's the chairman of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, which means they I don't want to use the wrong word here. I don't know if coordinate has a legal thing, but for those listeners who don't know the the each party has uh, you know their their the superstructure of the party um, you know has uh, has kind of an organizing structure to it, and so you know there's the the Democratic National Chairperson, and there's the congr- there's congressional and there's Senate or whatever, and he his job is pretty interesting, wrangling all the Democrats and making sure that uh, that you know the people he thinks have the best chance of winning get resources, and the people who uh, are in tougher races maybe they, they don't get as much attention and and sort of helping put out fires and it's a it's a real thing to be uh, a cheerleader on that uh, on that team or a, a, you know a, a real cheerleader so so when he was saying that when he was getting aggressive about you know the about what the Rep- republicans wouldn't do it was you know i i you know he he was speaking to people that um you know you know he wanted to motivate it sounded to me like he really wanted to motivate the people who likely agreed anyway um and it doesn't sound well, like you're- i agree I, I i do agree with him I think, though, you know, partisanship sucks, and we need to get rid of it. We really need to get rid of it, because these people are hired by the people. They need to start working for the people, whether they're Democrats or Republicans or conservatives, liberals, whatever. Yeah. Well, I would yeah. say I would I would say that um, working together, which was his point as well, is uh, is the whole ball game for for human progress and development. Um, but partisanship, in and of itself, I might have a different take on it than you. I I, I think it's it's mean spirited partisanship. It's partisanship that says I'm not just uh, I don't just have a different uh, way of looking at this, and I don't have a different way, you know, and I may have a different. But it's it's. They wanting to destroy each other, wanting just having you know having such antipathy, having such hatred and loathing for the other people. I mean, when when I, I tell people I'm doing a radio show, it's like they get slapped in the face with a with a fish, and they they look at me and I and I say, you know, well, I, I kind of feel bad, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, either they know that I'm a Democrat and they're a Republican, or they don't know, and and you know, everybody has the same kind of. Uh, water testing question like oh are are you are you um you know affiliated do you do you have a party are you a democrat and i say yeah i'm a, i'm a democrat and you can just see people's faces sink like it you you smeared poo all over yourself and it's it, it's just not th- that that as a starting point not good. <laughs> not not good. All right. Well, I I appreciate your uh, your thoughts. I think you were spot on and and uh thanks very much for calling. Oh, you're welcome. Good luck. Thanks so much. Bye for now. All right, I want to before we do anything else, I want to jump into our second interview, our our tent pole interview for uh, our premiere uh, episode. And, and that's Frank Luntz. Let me just read a little from his Wikipedia page. Frank Luntz uh, an American political consultant. He's a Fox News guy. He's a Fox News contributor, is is, is what he is, and, and pollster. So uh, he's a political consultant, pollster, and Republican uh, Party strategist. His recent work has been Fox News Channel, a frequent commentator and analyst, as well as running focus groups, which are great. I, that's what uh, I think really made him give him a real name, you know, a, a national name across both parties. Was uh, after the, the the presidential elections, you'd see him in a room, and they got the dial things, and he's asking you know uh, normal people questions. Of course, they're handpicked normal people, but they were their their answers are always you know interesting. We do the same thing. Uh, okay, so uh, what else? He is he's written books. He's uh, he's got a he's a, he's a uh, what do you call it a 
I don't know, gives advice for money. <laughs> He's a consultant. Okay, so let's listen. Now, Frank, um, last night I had the idea to uh, to call him at like 4.30 in the afternoon, and he was on his way to London, and he was kind enough when he sat down on the plane to uh, let me call him and uh, do this interview. So it's a good interview, long interview, like um, uh, the the, you know... One with Congressman Israel. So uh, sit back and enjoy this, and we'll we'll talk about it. And uh, hopefully, we'll have some real grist for the mill because uh, you know we heard Congressman Israel's you know very strident uh, Democratic point of view, and and Frank makes a couple of biting comments in here. So let's let's listen to that and uh, and enjoy listening to my friend uh, Frank Lutz. Here it comes. Now, anytime. Oh, look at that! That's the wrong one. I somehow I thought that was going to happen. I still have a. I, you know what? This radio station has the best internet like I've ever seen. It's like a, a T zero connection because I, the mouse is jumping all over the place. You want to see if it's there? I'll, I'll play it on the other one if we want to. You know what? Why don't I take a call while you sort out the uh, technology for a second? I see that um, Jacob from Boston wants to talk about student loans. I don't want to get too deep uh, with student loans at the moment, but it's a topic everyone wants to talk about. So let me uh, let me give him a second. Uh, Jacob, can you hear me? I can hear you. All right, so we're not going to get too deep into student loans. It's a subject that's deep in my heart, but go ahead and say what you want to say. You've waited for a long time. I appreciate it. Well, I, uh, I just, Congress? I'm a current, student, current college student, and I just think it's ridiculous the amount that we're required to pay, uh, especially for, for debt and in terms of, like, students have owing over $100,000 when they're getting um, when they're out of college. I mean, how are, we, how are people like us supposed to, you know, start a family and, and get a job when we, when we owe that much money? Slowly. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't possibly agree with you more. I mean, listen, look, look at—is uh, it up in Canada right now? There's, there's riots over the uh, doubling or tripling of tuition. I haven't paid too close attention to it, but it was, uh, you know, shocking to me to see that. I mean, do you think it could get that that far here? I mean, do you think there's some way for us to resolve it uh, through legislation and calmness, or do you think that the anger of students like yourself or former students, uh, recently former students like yourself, are just hard to contain? What, what, what do you think about that? I think we should definitely like start some legislation. I'm sure there's something we can do, um, and I think Obama's started on the right track because um, I know he is addressing it. But they, they did the whole Pell Grant I mean, thing, and yeah. yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, going to schools, and he's been going to universities across the country talking about it. So I think he's starting to get on people's minds. But I definitely think we need to get something like to the House, to the Senate. Well, I, I feel like I've really learned the Democratic perspective on this one, the, the, the Democratic uh, sort of plank. Uh, what I don't really know very well is the Republican approach. Uh, I, you know, I know that people don't, didn't like uh, No Child Left Behind. I mean, I would go all over the country and people would just boo and hiss. You just say those words and people would freak out, you know, unfunded mandate and like that. But um, I would love for some uh, good Republicans who can articulate concisely what the Republican uh, approach to helping students not have to spend so much money to get an education and live with all that stress, um, because I'm sure somebody's got good ideas, and we, we uh, you know, it's time to get into into detail. All right, um, thanks very much, um, uh, Jacob. I appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. All right, so here we are with Frank Lunt's interview. Sit back and enjoy. Or sit back and don't enjoy. What do you think? It's thinking. I'll tell you what. It's not a rainbow circle. It's a round circle. So that like excruciating waiting for it thing. Um, I'll tell you where I am. So you you Frank Lutz. Or ask me where I am. 
Okay. So explain why there's noise behind me. Okay. Hey, everybody. We've got Frank Luntz on the phone. I'll explain all about him later, but uh, you're on the road. Where are you, Frank? I'm actually on a British Airways flight that's heading over to London. Tomorrow is the nationwide local elections, which I'm going to be covering. And then a couple of days later, we've got the French elections, where Sarkozy is likely to lose. And then two days after that is the installation of uh, Putin back as the president of the Soviet Union. So I'm going to be hitting all three of them in all three cities in the next six days. Wow. And you're, you're doing this uh, officially as a part of your, uh, as, a, as a pundit uh, extension from Fox, or, or is it a, a different outlet or your own thing? Uh, it's a little bit of punditry. It's a little bit of business, a little bit of politics. And because I love politics so much, it's a little bit of pleasure. <laughs> Uh, so you are, you are a Renaissance man. That's, uh, you, you know, I didn't, um, I haven't said anything to anybody about, about, uh, our friendship and where it grew, but I kind of thought there was a real cool symmetry. You know, um, Steve Israel, Congressman Israel is my first, um, guest on the show, but you and he and I all met in the same, the same place. We met on a farm and, uh, you and I got to know each other a little bit and, I basically everybody in Hollywood wants to be in Washington, and everyone in Washington wants to be in Hollywood. And you and I, to some degree, uh, basically, we seem to straddle both worlds. Well, I I love that um, you know some of the uh, the group that we were there with, uh, some of the the actors in the crowd. I think it was mostly actors who were there, but I, I can't remember. But they they were um, they, they were just kind of irrationally angry at everything. And I and I just remember thinking it's not it's not helpful to anyone. And then when I got to, once you and I got to know each other better, I mean, you, you, you have all of these, these aspects of your life. You're a pundit, you're a, a pollster, you're a strategist, you're a, uh, you know, you're, you're, you do, you, you're not, you write books, you know, and but my favorite thing about that, that, you know, is you that constitutes like the essence of Frank Luntz is, is you're a, a word person. Your language is, is, uh, is your muse. And I, I just wonder you know, my radio show, I'm trying to get people to think a little bit about, you know, we have an anger meter. And if anybody's at a nine or a 10, we sort of back them off and say, okay, you know, go, go relax. When you can come back, then you can, we're looking for sevens and eights on our show, you know, at the, at the most. And I, and I just wonder how you think language is uh, like, what's the state of the union? What's the state of language in our political world? And by the way, I'm a flow wax and a dessert topping and I taste great and I'm less filling. <laughs> uh, the language Words matter. If you call something an estate tax, it gets a different reaction than if you call it a death tax. If you ask people to consider drilling for oil versus exploring for energy, two different thoughts pop up in their head. If you ask, would they rather have an opportunity scholarship or a voucher? Words matter, and words determine how we think, how we feel, how we behave. And I've just uh, enjoyed studying them over the last two decades. Talk to me about the the kind of moral relationship to them because you know i can just hear my i can hear my liberal friends and i can hear my conservative friends you know just raging at the you know at each of those things that you just said there's a they're very potent you know powerful things how do you connect a kind of a, you know a, a moral commitment to those to, to jogging language to to make it work for you in the way that you want well first off you have liberal friends and your conservative friend uh <laughs> uh, and, and as far as the outrage, Barack Obama is one of the best wordsmiths that I have ever seen in politics. And and his predecessor, the man who he learned from, Bill Clinton, 
It was Clinton who said that we don't have tax increases. We have, and I quote, revenue enhancements. Not a tax increase. It's a revenue enhancement. So he's the one who taught me how to do what I do. And Obama's quite good at it also. Well, how's how's so he, he doing about, it? I mean, they just launched this new thing, the forward. They've got instead of hope that you know the, the poster was so uh, the history making hope poster. Now they've they've changed it to forward. What, what do you think of that? Right, which sounds like the MSNBC slogan. And by the way, MSNBC is the only news network with more letters in its name than viewers. <laughs> uh, okay. And there's the noise behind me. That's the uh, announcement from the airplane. Hey, everybody. Oh, I want to let you know, uh, call in if you want to contrast and compare uh, the congressman's uh, statements and and uh, Frank's statements. 818, or sorry, 888-520-4374. The number again, 888-520-4374. We've got a good contrasting uh you know, commentary, so I want to hear what people Absolutely think. Absolutely not. We're going to see more negative ads in this campaign than we've seen ever in American politics. We're going to see more viciousness, more personal attacks, more of everything. And it's kind of depressing, but uh, it's just the way it's going to be. You'll try, you'll try and help, though. Out there. There's nothing that can be done. It's all being done by independent expenditures. And it's a tragedy, actually, a genuine tragedy that this is going to happen. Well, do something, man. Do a little something on the on the way, like you know, pick up a pick up a rock, or or just you know, help somebody get out from in front of the bus. Do do you know? You've got a huge platform, and and I know. I mean, I think what you do on Fox is actually really meaningful. It's it's hard it's hard sometimes to get your head around because you're usually coming off of a really intense you know experience that you've had following things or helping with people. And but uh, but I feel like analyzing things in the way that you do and, and sort of really having people share opinions in a form like that, I think it's a, a meaningful thing. That's, that's, that's not nothing. And, I, and by the way, you and I do agree on that, that it would be far better for us to focus on the positive differences than the negative. That it would be better to focus on policy rather than politics and on character rather than personality. So before you hang I'll up... I'll do my best over the... Yeah, yeah. I'll do my best to make that happen. Good, and uh, and I'll be and I'll enjoy your uh, your efforts because you're a good you're a good human being and you and you work hard and you're really smart. But do me a favor, tell me what before you hang up. Tell me one constructive criticism or one thing that you you know we're not going to agree on. Not you and me, but one thing that conservatives and liberals or Republicans and Democrats aren't going to agree on. Uh, you know, in this political cycle, but phrase it in a way that's that sounds at least edifying to the process. That the American people, whether you're left or right, believe in the pursuit of happiness. It's part of the Constitution. It doesn't sound as significant, but it really is in the, in the country that we live in right now. The pursuit of happiness. We have a different way of getting there, and we may measure it differently, but that is one thing that conservatives and liberals all share. Let us hope that we can pursue happiness in a more effective way and in a way that shows respect to each other, to future generations. And if that happens, then, then the political system will not be as damaged. As I think it is right now. Wow. I, well, listen, you're on your flight. Please travel safely. Do good work on behalf of the country, observing and, and participating in those uh, three really fascinating things. I look forward to hearing and reading and watching uh, your take on it when you come back. And thank you so much for letting me crash your, your, your uh, boarding process to let you be, uh, to, get, to have the privilege of having you be my first uh, conservative guest on uh, Vox Populi. Thank you, Frank. Yeah, and thanks for letting me do your show, and I wish you good luck, and uh, we'll be talking soon. All right, call when you get back. Thanks. Bye, Frank. Well, there you go. Two um, 
people with completely different approaches on the world and how to fix the problems that exist, and yet they said a lot of the same stuff. Um, it's it's funny to me. It's like Gollum in Lord of the Rings. You know, if you treat him bad, he uh, if you, if you treat Smeagol badly, he turns into Gollum. If you treat him well, he's kind of this pitiful, harmless thing. And and I I think when when an interview is conducted where people are asked, you know, reasonable questions and sort of open philosophical, um, you know, ideas, they, they, they say the same thing. So it's really when it gets down to, uh, to the nitty-gritty details that uh, prob- problems develop. Not problems, you know, somebody, somebody who uh, tweeted in just now, uh, Scarlett Morial writes, um, belief in different things is, belief in different things is not destructive. That's how you use that belief. Uh, and she liked how I used the word antipathy. Um, so thank you for that, uh, Scarlett. But I, I think that's, that's really well said. Um, it's good to have differing viewpoints. There's something, you know, in nature that happens when two forces collide and then something, something is born from that. So, uh, and that's the way our, our system of government and governance is, was, you know, it's how it's designed. It's how it's meant to be. The problem is when I think whether people lack, um, education, not, not just book learning education, but when people lack a kind of, uh, experience of civility in their family, in their school environment, in their workplace. You know, a lot of a lot's gone on in this world. You know, iPods and iPads and um, all the great technology that makes life so uh, fun and fast and and dynamic and kind of at your fingertips. Uh, in a lot of ways, kind of alienates each other. And this, I'm not saying anything that anybody doesn't know. I'm just saying that unfortunately. Um, there a dysfunction develops in terms of uh, you know communication and it's not like a, you know the a barn raising anymore where you know the whole community comes together and they raise a barn i mean i guess it can be with habitat for humanity or, uh, or that abc show where they move the bus and they've just built a house together but but you know it's we're so spread out it's people are a little disconnected you're incredibly connected you know via facebook and twitter but you're totally disconnected from you know what the guy working down the street is doing or what the lady who's uh, just become an executive is doing and so anyway um let's all work on that together i see uh Terry um, from Encino wants to talk about a, a specific issue. So, um, Terry, Sean, hey, hey, how you doing? Good. The uh, so you know, at, a week ago I started pinging people with on Twitter with uh, with submitting uh, topics, you know, possible topics. And and why don't you say the topic that that you have uh, on your mind is, and we'll, we'll log that under things we're going to you know get to. Yeah, sure. I was uh, I really got on Twitter just a couple of months ago, um, and I noticed while I was there, there were an awful lot of uh, women who were really upset about all the laws that are being passed about uh, women's rights right now. And uh, my idea was to get a bunch of guys to voice that same opinion, because I kind of felt the same way. And so that was, that was what I've been doing the last few weeks, is just collecting uh, just a bunch of average Joes who were just as annoyed with the whole thing as I am. You know, these guys and what are, you, what are you doing? I'm just trying to get some voices together to let uh, Congress know that, you know, really, you guys got elected for, you know, focusing on jobs and economy, and yet you're spending all your time on women's issues, you know? Um, well, I, I know that uh, from from 
spending time with elected officials, they all say the exact same thing. I don't know if it's true or not. Sometimes I think it can't be true because there's so many people, and how does anybody get their voice heard? But but they say that if, if a group of people, you know, if they get multiple calls on an issue, they take notice of it. They they log it. They figure out how, you know, whether they're going to respond the way that people might like is is you know not certain but but they definitely are aware of it so my my thing is one of the things that i've learned in this world is that people who know the rules usually win that's a good point so i would encourage you and uh republicans on the other side of the issue to really understand the the rules of the game and and uh and get in there and, and not be so you know, I mean, you're very reasonable the way you're sounding. I, I, I think the point you're getting at, which is that it's a distraction, an, an intentional distraction, is absolutely yeah. right. There's no why all of a sudden, you know, people have had, uh, you know, ideologically entrenched viewpoints for a long time, and and they're, they're entitled to them. That's it's America, um, and so fi- you know, the, the ballot is the way to uh, fight the war for what you believe is right, and the only way to get that is uh, well, not the only way. There's cheating. I hate cheating when it comes to that. No, but you you got, you know. I remember asking President Carter. You know, I said I said President Carter, you, is there any way? I was at the Carter Center. He invited. He liked. Uh, he liked Lord of the Rings. He and Amy and, and uh, Rosalind Carter liked Lord of the Rings, and they they sort of entertained us at the Carter Center, which was a dream come true for me. Wow. Just to uh, meet. Uh, I just like his his the way he talks about peace. If nothing else is is a worthy thing. Um, but he. Uh, I said, do you think that we are capable of having a free and fair election in this country? And he said. After a pause, yes, I I believe we can. And my eyes just roll back in my head because believe is a is a word, you know. Yeah, not a big word. It's a big word, and it's 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 at the core. You know, you have to trust the person in the garage who you drop your ballot off with. You and they they have to trust the person at the that at the precinct where they. You know, I mean, it's it is a. Yeah, we've got to trust women's doctors. I mean, and it's one thing to debate the whole abortion thing. I mean, that that's going to never stop. But but start dragging into uh, the discussion that birth control is now bad somehow and. You know, 99% of women use birth control at some point, and to somehow say that, you know, this is this is a bad thing now and we're going to drag out an issue that was decided five decades ago is just ridiculous. Well, I think anything deserves to be reviewed. What, what I take exception to is the idea that people will attach legislation or attach conditions on certain bills or, or certain motions that obligate the... Uh, you know the inclusion of some really, you know, hard-fought ideological position like you know pro pro-life versus pro-choice or whatever, and and so it'll it'll skunk the rest of the the original purpose of the the bill, and I think that's a lot with what's going on with the Planned Parenthood stuff. And yeah, I was just going to say, like Steve Israel was saying about Planned Parenthood, just stopping all progress over that fight. Yeah, well, I think that. Um, just because something was established a long time ago doesn't mean that it's going to withstand the scrutiny of the moment. So if people like yourself really feel strongly about protecting uh, you know, a woman's right to choose um, just as strongly as the other people feel as a moral uh, imperative to protect the life of the unborn, people need to get involved. And, and uh, so I, I, you know, I encourage you to continue your group. It sounds like a cool thing, and, and uh, I hope you find a specific way to be effective. 
That's what we're shooting for. We're uh, my my hash or my my um, handle is Real Men Don't Hate. So we are. Uh, oh, I saw you. I saw you on the Twitter thing. Real Men Don't Hate. Yeah. Um, that's a, a sort of uh, Demi Morris thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, the the idea came from all the use of the word misogyny, which I think is really getting overused because really men don't really hate women. Not very many do, anyways. But it, it, so it's sort of an ironic thing, but uh, it, it got people talking. Well, I I feel like the you know trusting trusting women and men trusting anybody to make decisions. Um, you know they have to earn have to earn that trust by not making foolish ones. But it's really um, it's really important. It's really important to value someone's opinion. If you and I, the, the people I know who are pro life, most of the people I know, and I know a lot, some very successful people, some other kind of more um, people of humble means, and and uh, they they don't seem to have any hatred in their heart for women or, or women who get pregnant. They they have a lot of love in their heart in their heart, and they think they're expressing a view that is uh, that is ultimately in the best interest of the women. So the conversation needs to move away from screaming and yelling about you know trying to step on my rights and try and get to you know the point where you say listen. And you, I see that you think you know what's best for me, and I appreciate that. But I, I have the right to, you know, like that. So, all right, we got. I got to drop the uh, drop you off, and uh, Terry. And thanks for the call and, and the topic. We're going to get much more into it as we go forward, and we're going to take a little break now. All right, Sean. Good talking to you. I'm sure I'll talk to you again. Thanks, Terry. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network Radio, worth watching. If you're looking to spice things up in the bedroom, go to adamandneve.com, type in the code HFSHOW, and you'll get 50% off almost any item, a free gift, three free DVDs, and free shipping. That's adamandneve.com, code HFSHOW. Hey, Heidi and Frank here from HeidiandFrank.com. Hooters is open late every single night. Late night happy hour starts at 10 p.m. And the kitchen doesn't close until midnight. And keep in mind, it's Hooters Swimsuit Pageant Time. All contests start at 10 p.m. With all beers, is $2 and $4. And May 12th is the West Coast Regional Swimsuit Pageant at Icon LA Ultra Lounge. And we're going to be there. We're going to be judging. Mm-hmm. It was so hard last year. Whoa. Judging. Oh, right, right, right. So check out WestCoastHooters.com for contest dates and details. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. Ladies and gentlemen of the class of 99, wear sunscreen. If I could offer you only one tip for the future, sunscreen would be it. The long-term benefits of sunscreen have been proved by scientists whereas the rest of my advice has no basis more reliable than my own meandering experience. I will dispense this advice now. Enjoy the power and beauty of your youth. Oh, never mind. You will not understand the power and beauty of your youth until they fade it. But trust me, in 20 years, you'll look back at photos of yourself and recall in a way you can't grasp now how much possibility lay before you and how fabulous you really looked. You are not as fat as you imagine. Don't worry about the future, or worry, but know that worrying is as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubblegum. The real troubles in your life are apt to be things that never crossed your worried mind, the kind that 
blindsides you at 4 p.m. on some idle Tuesday. Do one thing every day that scares you. Sing. Don't be reckless with other people's hearts. Don't put up with people who are reckless with yours. Floss. Don't waste your time on jealousy. Sometimes you're ahead. Sometimes you're behind. The race is long. And in the end, it's only with yourself. Remember compliments you receive. Forget the insults. If you succeed in doing this, tell me how. Keep your old love letters. Throw away your old bank statements. Stretch. Don't feel guilty if you don't know what you want to do with your life. The most interesting people I know didn't know at 22 what they wanted to do with their lives. Some of the most interesting 40-year-olds I know still don't. Get plenty of calcium. Be kind to your knees. You'll miss them when they're gone. Maybe you'll marry. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll have children. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll divorce at 40. Maybe you'll dance the funky chicken on your 75th wedding anniversary. Whatever you do, don't congratulate yourself too much. Or berate yourself either. Yeah. Your choices are half Wow. Chance. Never had that guy at my commencement. Uh, all right. So we have, uh, it looks like 30 minutes left, 29 minutes left. So we'll go a little bit faster. Um, we'll have the lightning round. We have John from Salt Lake City who wants to weigh in on, on the uh, Frank Luntz call. So let's see what we got going. Oh, sorry, Josh. Is that Josh? Uh, yeah, it's Josh. How you doing, man? Thanks has, for waiting. Has, hey, no worries. Uh, it's good to talk to you, Sean. Um, I, I was actually just, you know, kind of calling, uh, not, not so much to weigh in specifically on that, but just kind of like contrast exactly what it is that, that, that you guys are doing. Um, I think it's brilliant. And uh, I, I've got to say, it's really nice to actually just sit and listen and, uh, to people um, talk about these things uh, in an open discussion format. Um, because, I mean, you, you openly said that, you know, you're a Democrat, you know, which, which means that you, you disagree on, on, on a lot of things, but yet we can sit here and talk. Um, and I think that's brilliant. Um, I personally, you know, don't think that it's a good idea to completely align yourself with a particular political party, because, I mean, if you think about it, we call it left-wing, right-wing. Like, to me, I think that automatically implies a state of imbalance, you know, <laughs> because, uh, and mm. I, I just, I just find that, uh, you know, I've heard, I heard someone say once that, you know, we should have conservative minds and liberal hearts. Um, and I know that might fly in the face of, of a lot of uh, political parties and, and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy this format. Uh, a, a quick question for you um, is, you know, a lot of people tend to uh, um, compare um, and uh, equivocate, I don't know if that's the right word, um, right-wing politics with, with Christianity. Um, you know, they imagine, you know, people like Mitt Equate. Or, they equate. Yeah, equate. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, but, you know, the truth be, truth be told, I mean, I, I personally am, 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 a, am a Christian, you know, fan of Jesus. But uh, I, I find that, you know, it, it just completely flies in the face of what Christianity is all about. But at the same time... What, it, the, what, you, what flies in the face of Christianity? Uh, <laughs> Right-wing politics. Huh. Uh, not not all of it, obviously, but but you know, but a lot of it. I mean, I mean, belittling uh, belittling uh, homosexuals, uh, belittling uh, you know people who have different opinions than you. Um, you know, hardly 
uh, you know, the, the basic tenets of, of Christianity. So I, I guess I was just kind of curious. Do you feel that that is the case? Do you, do, do you see that? Um, that the, uh, the Christianity and right-wing conservatism are aligned? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, I mean, I, you know, listen, the people with the biggest microphone... You know what I mean? They, they get their voice heard, and, and that's, that's the thing. I, you know, I'm a Christian, right. uh, and I'm a liberal Democrat. Actually, I don't know if I can say liberal anymore. I'm, I'm a, a Democrat. But the, right. um, you know, I think that labels are so, it's so hard for people to get traction, for politicians to get traction, for them to get 10 people to agree on any one thing, and to get 400 of them to agree, you know, or, or 200 of them to agree on a particular piece of legislation. They need right. a buzzword. They need something to kind of coalesce around. And, and it's the same thing when you get out. I mean, I don't know if you spend any time, um, campaigning in the country, you know, in, in different, you know, rural and, and, you know, parts of the, the, the country. And it's, it's very hard to, a lot of people have very similar views, but to, you know, if you come up with a slogan or a photograph or a something that can capture people's imagination, you, you're almost home, you know. Right. So, uh, so I feel like a lot of times those labels, um, you know, I think I think it should be easier. For I don't think it should be a crime to adjust your label. If you learn a piece of information and you, you in your heart come to a, a, an opinion about a subject matter and you want to change you know the posture that you've had that is alone is grounds from dismissing any validity of anything you might have to say because you you know because you're a flip-flopper so i think the concept of flip-flopping is a simplistic and annoying uh way to avoid having a, a genuine argument and say, okay, you you said this before, and you're sa- and and you, what you see is terrible politics. You see politicians, you know, going to an extreme position to try and shore up the fact that they were this way, this way, and they were that way, that way. And right. so, unless we can find the reason that that politician changed their mind, and and if you can say, well, look, it was absolutely clear that the numbers weren't there and they changed their position on this and all of a sudden it gave them a 10 percent margin to, to win it's enough to make you think you know that maybe that person is is being uh kind of mercenary in their in their attitude but if they're not uh if they really kind of had a change of heart they were on a vac- family vacation and they saw a sunset and something struck them in their heart and they want to do something a different way well all of a sudden you're castigated as as someone who is now no longer reliable no, yeah. you're no longer reliable if you change your opinion because you can't be trusted to hold an opinion. And you know, listen, you don't you don't want to hire a team member who get you get him out on the field and all of a sudden he's wearing the other team's jersey. You know, so <laughs> somehow you, we got to find a way to bounce. Any other thought before I jump? I'm sorry, what was that? Any other thought that you want to share before I jump uh, to uh, the next little piece of business we've got? Uh, you know, I appreciate I appreciate you weighing in. I guess I, I um, no, you know, I think that 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 pretty well covers it. You've got other callers, but I, I just thought I'd weigh in. Uh, I appreciate the show, man. I'm really excited about this. So, uh, good, yeah, keep it going. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Bye for Thanks. now from Salt Lake City. Adios. It just occurred to me that there's a candidate for president who's from Salt Lake City, but okay. Um, all right, did, did I just pick up Sarah? No, okay. Um, I'm going to play just a, a minute or two of an interview that I did with my mom. I called my mom and said, Mom, leave me a message I can play on the show. And then she, and then she left the message, and I called her. I'm like, Mom, i got, I got to interview you. So um, 
Academy Award winning actress, uh, Emmy winning actress, president, former president of the Screen Actors Guild, a la Ronald Reagan was former president of the Screen Actors Guild. Um, and my mom, Patty Duke, here she is uh, letting me call her. Actually, I don't think she realizes what I want when I call. Let's see. Hold on. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to learn how to push the button. There's a little bit of a time delay when you do that. So um, I will say that um, my... <laughs> My wife and my children were sort of walking through the room when I was inter, uh, interviewing Nana, and it was, uh, it was... And you're going to talk first. Oh, here we go. What? <laughs> and <laughs> you're going to talk first, like you're, interviewing, like you're introducing your first person? Yeah, remember when I said I was going to start pushing record? I did it. So yeah. We, so that little last bit is part of the, like, I mean, I could cut it oh out. Oh, my God. So, so I made my debut. <laughs> you did. You did. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. We have with us today um, world-class uh, uh, thespian. Oh, keep uh, it going, baby. I love it, baby. Academy, keep it going. World-class what? A, Academy Award. <laughs> oh, a world, not a royal. What did you say? No, okay. A world-class uh, a, a thespian, so, uh, Academy Award-winning, uh, multiple Emmy Award-winning, um, I oh, I, you're the favorite son, okay? Uh, you are the favorite son. You say all the right things. This you, is your mother speaking. Congratulations on your new show. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to go to a caller live now. Oh, no, we can't. We can't. Um, so I'm so giddy about getting to do this. Um, yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, interview you. But then I also, the show itself is good as well. Well, I, I thought you were giddy about the show. I didn't know you were giddy about me. Jesus, I've waited 50 years for that. Oh, <laughs> <Aww. laughs> so I'm 41, 41, 41. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, we're going with 41 now? Is that the party line? I just, I was, you just yeah. sent out conflicting signals. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is, uh, I hope your listeners will indulge me for a motherly moment. But, Sean, you're so excited, I can't understand the word you're saying. Slow down. What are you saying? I'm talking too fast? Oh, no, that was perfect. Yes, I'm slowing down just so that you can understand. Don't we love those, those His Girl Friday and the screwball comedies where they talk so fast, but because it's good writing, you can really, you really get it anyway? Yes. So you're saying and it's that, not And that good. is the key. To, in, in my opinion, that's the key. If it ain't on the page... So she's saying there's not good writing in what I was saying. All right, that's fine. We'll have to go into some analysis. And I have 104 television movies to prove it. (laughs) 104? We need 105. When's the next one coming? We've got to get another one of those going. Oh, God. You know, we all talk about this. We pay lip service to this. But your brother and you and I and now your daughter, my granddaughter, ought to be able to work up some kind of neat movie. Oh, together. Yes, of course. I only happened to write one okay. for you and Mac and me, but somehow that didn't, it just went away. I don't know. I'm going to have to find that movie somewhere. But, Mom, listen, since we're doing it on the radio, and it's a political radio show, can I, can I engage you a little bit to talk about politics? Oh, you can try. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I just want you to know... I talk about politics in the kitchen in one way and on the radio another. All right. Well, then, then l- let me get the unvarnished, whichever one you want to. Uh, you want to well, let me ask you the question. Then do you, do you sort of um, 
do you talk about what party you're you're affiliated with, or are you even affiliated? Oh, with? I most definitely do. Um, I, except that I heard myself say in an interview recently, I don't know, maybe I'll become an independent. I am a very diehard Democrat who's a little lost these days, and I want I want that fever in my heart that I've always had for the Democratic Party. And I'm, I'm like the rest of the world. I'm confused. She's a Democrat in North like, Idaho. Um, it's an endangered species. Well, you know, there's, part of what I want to do with this show is, is help make everything a little bit clear. Not everything, but, you know, the th whatever it is that we treat on the show, just help bring a little bit more clarity to it. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, in the, that I'm going to talk about be talking about is, you know, the – for three years, you know, Barack Obama has been president of the United States. There's been a lot of legislation passed. There's been a lot of decisions made, and and it's really we don't know. You know people don't you know that. Bet. I I have first of all, I'm from the very old school. He is my president. He's not a Democrat or a Republican right now. But He's you, my president. But you still feel in the woods. But I still feel in the woods. But I, hello. Me and how many million others? Hopefully, uh, I'm pretty sure all the listeners, both of the listeners of this show that I have. <laughs> I can't wait to get him on the campaign trail again because I want him to seduce us all again. <laughs> wow. So that we feel secure that we did it right the first time. Wow. Wow. That uh, that is a uh, I don't know if it's prophetic or just a, a really illuminating, but that was a really interesting thing you just said, Mom. Okay, let me ask you this question. Do oh, you... that's just because I used a sexy word. <laughs> seduce? Yeah, I thought we weren't allowed to use the word seduce. In our oh, husband. very good, Sean. I'm glad you got the right one. <laughs> <laughs> what campaign trail? Say to me, you say campaign trail, and I'm like, that is sexy. I love the campaign trail. Um, all right. Well, uh, wanna, uh, you know, I don't know how the hell you're supposed to do both, but if anybody can, I believe he can. I, by that I mean, of course, to deal with his daily job for which he's already been elected, and go out and have to drum it all up again um, so that he can be reelected. Right. Um, I don't. I don't want for there to be fundamental changes in him. I like the guy I got the first time. <laughs> All right, listen. I, I, and I like the guy. I like the guy I see uh, who goes uh, to Afghanistan and makes a dramatic moment a dramatic moment. You, because it tied in with the anniversary yeah. of killing. Okay, Ron so. And, all right, so that that question came to me. I'm going to pause it here, and then uh, next episode I'll play the second half of the Patty Duke interview where she goes into – she takes great pains to, um, I don't know, have fun at my expense. So uh, the idea – I did get a question, a Twitter question about this idea of uh, from Lupe, I think it was, who wanted to know what I thought of Obama's trip to Afghanistan and his speech and what I thought, uh, you know, if I thought his speech was good or meaningful or bad or something. So um, I, sorry, I've just got a little thing there. I, I Listen, presidents go to the war zone and they meet the troops and the troops have one of two 
responses, generally speaking, if you can if you can generalize basic approaches. One is the commander's chief is here. They're so excited. They want their picture with them. They they're so grateful. They it, it reinvigorates their. Um, you know, sense of service and, and commitment, and it, it just—it's—it's uh, it's really hard, and it—it it sucks to be alone. And not alone. You're with your—you're with your comrades, but but to be you know deployed is really hard, and it gets boring. And so to have a uh, to have a commander in chief show up is uh, you know is 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 meaningful. Or you've got people who come from you know families or or have developed opinions where they just think this guy's not you know it's their code you know the. It's their responsibility. They're not allowed to, um, you know, speak publicly against the, the commander in chief. There's a chain of command, but they uh, they can ha- hold their own political feelings. And, and some people just don't like the guy, uh, and they just think he's not good for the country. So uh, you know, and, and that's that's their right as as Americans, as human human beings, to feel that way. The fact that it was uh, the anniversary of the killing of Osama bin Laden, and uh, as the as the kind of um, ceremonial moment to go over there and, and do whatever that treaty thing was or however I, I didn't pay too close attention to what the exact legal uh, document was that was signed over there um, is to me totally appropriate you know it's totally appropriate we've paid a lot of money we've a lot there's been a lot of lives lost there's you know things have happened and the single reason that it was uh, uh, you know, acceptable to the American public, overwhelmingly approved by the American public to go fight in Afghanistan was because we wanted to get uh, the person who was in charge of perpetrating 9-11. And so uh, the fact that the war is over, they've been, they, it's been, the drawdown has been announced over and over again, and there's been these phases and everything. And so for him to do that, I don't think is, um, I think there is a bump, a political bump when a president does that. And I think it's a bump whether a Republican president does it. And I think it's a bump if a Democratic president does it. This one, to me, is there. There, my little the hair does not stand up on the back of my neck when I see that he did that. I didn't hear his speech. I don't know how he communicated with the troops. I can tell. Um, you know, I served for ten years as a civilian aide to the Secretary of the Army, which is a volunteer position. I learned an awful lot about the way the Army works, and I can tell you that that President Obama is a thousand times more aware of the meaning and nature of the sacrifice of the soldiers. And it's not just because of having to write letters to families of the fallen. It's also because he's had, he, he's been to events. He's talked with families. He's, you know, he's learned. He's, he's, he, he grew in the job in that way as a human being and as an American, I think. Um, so I, I don't fault him at all. The commercial bragging about it. I have some issues with. I think it was. Uh, I love President Clinton. I think that it was beautifully photographed, and there were some elements of it that were very moving. But then they were interwoven with these other very, you know, pointed political elements that were questioning Romney's, um, uh, you know, spine or, or questioning his, um, just questioning him in a way that was out of line. So I didn't like that. But I think that his the fact of his going to Afghanistan was. Was good. All right. Did I get off the field here? Um, there's one other. How, how are we doing on time, guys? I want to make sure I'm not about six minutes. Okay. Let me go into. I want to. Um, uh, oh. Okay. And I see a flashing red light. Sarah from Illinois. I'm going to do two seconds with Sarah. Sarah, can you hear me? Yes. Thank you for your patience waiting. That's no problem. Ask your question. 
All right. Well, um, I pretty much live in a family that's uh, all Republican. My dad's a really hardcore Republican. And I um, have been really interested in your show because I've just now started getting a fever for politics. Good. Um, and, yeah, and... Um, Wait, I, I said that my mom was a Democrat in North Idaho, which is an endangered species, but during uh, the Obama era, living in Illinois, and your parents are all Republicans, are they? can they, can they walk down the street? Uh, yeah, they can, and surprisingly, most of the people that uh, we know and are friends with are are Republicans. So I've kind of got this um, one-sided view on everything, uh, which is fine. I mean, when my father explains things to me and we talk about politics and stuff, um, I get where he's coming from. But I've never really had a perspective from a Democrat. And so um, I saw on your Twitter the other day that uh, you said that you thought Obama could be reelected. Yeah, uh, was it you who asked the question? Somebody asked the question, who do you think will be elected? And I said, uh, who, you know, or who do you feel or who do you think or whatever? And I, I said, I believe Obama will will be. And, and I saw your question there uh, asking, that, that's what you're asking is, why do I, why do I feel that way? Yeah, because, um, and, you know, I'm not the brightest crayon in the box. Um, so if you could explain to me your reasons why you think that in a very... Uh, toned down way, uh, I'd be very interested in hearing the... The, the other side. All right, I will. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you go, and I'll give that explanation. And I really appreciate the call and your interest. And I hope uh, to hear from you again on the show. And good luck with your uh, right. your adventures into politics. Thank you. Like they uh, like they say in boxing, protect yourself at all times. Um, <laughs> I I think that um, I just don't think that the country is as bad off as. Um, Obama's opponents want to make it seem. Some people have said they think he is the worst president in American history. <laughs> I just think, wow, really? I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's reasonable minds and, and important minds have to struggle with, you know, improving our economy and and uh, making sure that whoever we have in office, Democrat or Republican, is is doing the best possible job at getting the most amount of people opportunities to work and have health care and good education. And, you know, my, I have my five things, food, shelter, clothing, health care, and a good education. To me, in a democratic society, I want wealthy people. I want billionaires. And I want to be a billionaire. And I know you want to be a billionaire. So I just don't want to be a billionaire at the expense of everybody in a great society, in a, in a, in a, uh, in a great nation. In a great nation, the citizens are born entitled. We use that word entitlement all the time. I believe in a great nation I belong to that they are entitled to those five things. Food, shelter, clothing, health care, and a good education. And then you got to get out there in the world and compete. And it's a hard world. And, you know, maybe uh, a government can do a good job of regulating it so there's fair play, but somebody who works harder, somebody who gets luckier, gets ahead, that's, that's, that's part of it. So I just think he's gonna, gonna, uh, I believe that he will probably win because I just don't think that the, the opposition will enjoy a groundswell against him. I think it's gonna feel like an engineered thing. 
uh, and and I, I it's just my sense of it. And you know, a, dra- a drama, a terrorist attack could happen, and or the, you know, there could be a, another you know Black Monday or Friday or whatever, and the stock market could go down, and then that could who knows what can happen. But at this moment, I think that um, that Obama is about to hit the trail. His numbers are going to go up because when he speaks uh, from his heart, he does well. I don't know how well good his guidance is from his political people. I certainly think Romney's speech uh, when he clinched the the uh, nomination after Santorum. Uh, resigned. It was the the strongest speech that I'd heard him give. It was very it it you know put the hair on my uh. Money. Okay, I'm just going to say one more thing. Are we doing a commercial? Or are we done with the show? How are we doing? It's going to be wrap it up. All right. I just want to say something. We're going to do another little feature of the show here, which is um, movie of the week, book of the month, and the movie of the week and, and it is as it sounds. I'm going to read. I'm going to watch a movie and I'm going to read a book, and then uh, when I get into the the studio here, I'm going to talk about it, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. And, uh, and, and, you know, have a, have a little discussion. Um, and obviously they're going to be politically themed, uh, you know, experiences. So the book, uh, the, the mo- the book that I'm choosing for, hello, can I speak please? I'm a radio host. The movie of the week that I'm choosing is The Ides of March with George Clooney. I only caught a minute of it. Uh, let me go ahead and play two seconds of, um, hold on. Daily Show. Oh, hold on. I'm sorry. I just want to get this little thing. Disillusion television news clips. Uh, okay. I don't think I can. Fu- oh, here it is. Okay. The Ides of March. Here's Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I think that we will. But I'm not going to tell you it's a sure thing. I mean, fucking St. Gabriel can blow his horn on election day and get his four horsemen to rig the ballot boxes for Pullman, and it wouldn't surprise me. Hmm. Six presidentials I've done, and I've never felt this good. But I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, hey, we'll win Ohio. Not a chance. I mean, in the last 30 years, 73 Democrats have run for president. How many have won? Three. All right, I mean, 70 guys ran who thought they had a chance, and they all lost. So you're saying there's a good chance you won't win? No, don't twist my words, Ida. What I'm saying is I'm not going to promise you we'll win. But he was decorated by Bush Sr. from the first Gulf War. He protested the second. He left his state with a balanced budget and the fourth highest education rate, the Republicans have no one out there that can touch this guy. So for this moment, this election, this primary, is the presidential. And that, Ida, is the State of the Union. All right, so that is uh, the movie that I'm going to watch, The Ides of March with George Clooney. The book is going to be Means of Ascent, uh, The Years of Lyndon Johnson by Robert A. Carroll. It was uh, commended to me as uh, one of the most important uh, political reads about the way that uh, Congress works and the Senate works and the presidency works. So uh, I will put those there. Listen, my time is up for the day. It was amazing. Thank you all for your um, uh, attention, and I look forward to coming back here next week and having fun. Pay attention. Read something. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching.